0: Hey, welcome to the Creative Career Starter Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lyons, and I'm so glad to have you with me. Today, I am delighted to welcome back Ryan Haig, our resident expert on the wild world of NFTs. Also to welcome Martin Beckerman, a creator from Buenos Aires, who, among other things, was the brand design lead at Netflix and whose fabulous art can be found at Savage Dogs on foundation.app. Fellows, thanks so much for joining me today.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: Hi, As Ryan and I discussed on our previous podcast, I would love for you two brilliant creatives to help my young listeners, and full disclosure, me as well, gain a better understanding of the mechanics and the nuances of successfully entering the NFT market space. Does that, uh, does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it does. There's a lot to unpack there, but hopefully we can do it together.
0: There is. So maybe you can yeah. each spend a moment talking about why you both entered this NFT space.
1: Well, they they already heard from me in the last one. I'm I'm even shocked Chris invited me back for a second one. So I'll let you go first, <laughs> Martin.
2: Yeah, sure. So I think for me, um, I, I I was interested in crypto for a while. I've been in it uh, since a couple of years back. And I, I remember finding out about something called CryptoKitties a couple of years back. And trying to understand what it was trying to understand the concept of, of, of nfts and didn't really click for me um, but early this year i was trying to figure out a way of creating a collectible and i was starting to hear again about this nft thing so i i started to get into it again and i think it clicked for me when i started to see the possibility of of making digital art being as unique as physical art. And I, I think when, I, when that clicked for me, I kind of like understood the appeal of it as a tool. And I saw the opportunity to actually uh, work on the collectibles that I really wanted to make. Um, and instead of making physical collectibles, I was able to do something in my native space, which was digital. So I, it was kind of like uh, I found a tool that really allowed me to do what I wanted to do.
0: Has it um, fulfilled your expectations?
2: Oh, I'm beyond. I think uh, um, I think you enter this space with an expectation of what it could be. Then you <laughs> uncover the the limitless possibilities that that you can actually do. Because, uh, like Ryan was saying before, I'm I'm very I'm like an old person when it comes to technology. I'm I'm not super savvy. So. Uh, I have a hard time really grasping some aspects of it. And if I do, it must have to do with with real utility for the work that I'm doing for the creative. And I think this is what NFTs are to me. They are a, a fantastic tool, but they come with a lot of stuff attached to it, which you might not expect, like the community aspect. Like you enter through the tool door, but then... You find a community that is super supportive, understanding, open, collaborative. So you kind like start to open doors when you enter this space and you start to find out things that um, go beyond your earlier expectations.
0: Ryan, talk for a second about um, what prompted you to get into this space.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, I've always, I've grown up as a collector, I think, um, like from a very early age, um, you know, every, every Sunday I would get a comic book with my dad and, um, you know, had trading card games. And I, I guess that was just an inherent part of my DNA. Like that's, that's what I was raised on. So when I started seeing some of those aspects being carried over into this digital space, it really attracted me. Um, and I knew that there was something something more here as a collector for the marketplace itself. But then when you started to get in a little bit deeper um, to what Martin was saying there, there was this characteristic of access. And this is not something we really talked about on the last episode, but by access, I mean your ability to access the community, but also as a collector or as a fan you now had this opportunity to access the artists that you have been a fan of for so long because there was now a new expectation that you're all engaging with one another. There are these um, rich communities that form around particular projects. Martin's is a great example. And if you share like minded, you know, uh, likes, dislikes, et cetera, um, uh, stylistic approaches, these are things that we bond over. And so that's that's basically how Martin and I met each other was was on the internet and I I generally don't even refer to Martin by his real name I refer to him by his internet pseudo name and that's the the you know the world that we live in currently so um that was a really that was that was a hook a deep hook that kept me engaging because finally after all these years of just being just such a fan of like creativity and concept and execution now we have all these like minded individuals um talking to one another, so that was the thing that kept me around and then kept me engaging with the creatives
0: to your point, Martin when I first looked into the world of n f t in these marketplaces, it was so daunting i'm you know i'm 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 not engaged in this level of technology on a daily basis, and I was overwhelmed by what i saw
2: yeah it it can be definitely and and especially now, I think that the the rate of innovation and speed of the space it's a little bit heavy on you i I think like even for me this past year working on the space and i think ryan might have experienced this as well even being informed and trying to stay on top of things you feel left behind it's it goes so fast because it's completely open and there's a lot of open source going on and there's a lot of projects and there's money involved so there's a lot of more interest that that you will usually find in in the technology space so it goes so fast that even being inside feels like you're being left behind so i can imagine like trying to jump in from the outside into this space can be a little bit overwhelming i think trying to understand the basics um it's pretty much for me the way to Approach something like this because you you will never be able to be on top of everything. But if you understand the basics, you can kind of like grasp when someone talks to you about a new project, you can understand how it works and and what it's coming from, even if you don't get it to the last detail.
0: So if if you two could be so patient as to explain to my young listeners, what what are the critical things to embrace if you want to start down this road, if you want to get on an NFT journey?
1: It's a great question. It's a great prompt. Well, I look at someone like Martin because I haven't minted too much work myself. Like I've been a collector and I have my own thoughts. But when I look at Martin's ability to navigate the space, but also be a brand leader and taking all of his skill sets from Netflix and beyond and applying them within that space, there's a great case study there for students and interested parties to say oh there's there's a real way to to build this out there's a there's a, a formula there's also a lot of discovery too so i would almost not to put all the burden on you martin but i would almost lean on you <laughs> to, to hear what you had to say and then i could build on top of it
2: yeah i even even though you, you are a collector um i think you always have a very clear understanding of the space and i um, i don't know how much i can I can provide, I think I can, I, I think I can provide a sense from m- what my experience was like, and maybe that helps someone. I'm coming from Netflix and I'm coming from, um, a space that it's, uh, very well defined when it comes to brand and marketing, right? Uh, there's <laughs> specific practices we do, uh, ways we approach the work, way we measure success that it's very clear and it's pretty much standardized across the industry um, with the caveat that Netflix is a very unique company and has its own quirks. But the NFT space is so different that when I started working in it, I felt like I needed to do kind of like maybe the opposite of what I was doing uh, at Netflix, which was being more of myself and less uh, company like and really create a connection between the brand and the artist and trying to navigate the space between those. But this is very related to my specific approach because you have a lot of people that enters the NFT space with the idea of being uh, themselves, being the artists that want to promote their work. So that's a different approach. My approach was I want to create a brand that it's uh, being built from the NFT space forward. And I wanna do that super attached to my name as an artist, but I don't want to be just an artist doing random work. I wanna be this brand and I want me and my brand to become inseparable, which is kind of like a weird in between uh, in between world of, of the classical marketing space and the and this new super ultra-personalized space we're living in. Uh, so I'm kind of like trying to merge the two things that I enjoy and that I think that there's some value in that uh, collision of worlds. I don't know if that makes any sense.
1: It makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I, I heard a few things that you said as well that stood out. So authenticity is really big. Um, not trying to be someone that you're not um, speaking honestly about your work, but also, you know, not having canned responses. Um, I think this is a space that really rewards individuals that are unique and aren't afraid to, to speak their opinions.
2: I agree. And, and there's some things that really caught me by surprise. I think one of them was that when entering the space, you try to approach it like the things you already know. And it's counterintuitive, but for example, people in the space want to see original things. They don't want to see you bring an IP from Disney and and create derivatives from that. The the people in the NFT space is, is really hungry for originality, for new IP, for new things. They don't want to see uh, this old world being reproduced on chain. They want the new. And I think that's a, a kind of like a counterintuitive thing because uh, I entered the space and I was like, this is going to be weird because they want to create a brand, but people will only be um, interested in things they already know. And it was completely the opposite. They just want you to be you and to create something unique that they can engage with. And they want to help you build the brand. They don't want to see it and, and watch it from the outside. They want to be active participants. So when you enter a space like this, you need to enter with a mentality of building something with other people, not building something just by yourself and having the other people watch from the outside. So I think that's a big difference with the world we're used to seeing and this new world
1: yeah because when when you think about it from a collector's standpoint so i'm a a collector of martin's and his work i see an opportunity there as a collector there is value in me helping martin build out the community further or providing additional value because there is also a value a monetary value associated with the pieces that i hold so by providing him value feedback and helping build that community i am in some ways selfishly you know Trying to advance the value of what I'm holding, um, so there is yeah. a mutual benefit there as well. It's it is okay to say, like yes, there is a monetary um, value here, and we're all aware of that. And um, you know, I, I think that that's an, an that maybe an elephant in the room in some conversations, but mm-hmm. in yeah. this one, it's it's accepted.
2: Yeah, uh, it, it's very accepted, and I think it needs to be clear that it uh, money plays. Uh, an integral role in right now in the NFT space, it's going to evolve and it's going to, it's going to be so much more than what it is today. But I think right now we have this mix of economics and art that it's uh, really empowering and and it's giving artists the, the possibility to do the work they want and to live from it and to become wealthy from it. And it's giving other people the chance to, be investors in that specific artist's career uh, which wasn't possible before and I think it's pretty exciting you can buy a piece of art from someone you like you can hold it and by holding it it's like having shares from that company and as that artist evolves and grows and becomes more successful your piece of that artist evolves as well and it becomes more valuable so I think You are, you're helping the artist by buying the asset. And at the same time, you're creating value for yourself, uh, by being part of that company. So I think there's a win-win scenario. There's also a lot of like bad takes on this and, and extremes where people is expecting instant value from artists, which is not good. It's creating anxiety and it's creating a lot of problems. But in the best-case scenario, you are buying something that you love, and at the same time, you are helping that artist become someone better, and at the same time, you're creating value for yourself. I think in the best possible scenario, this is a huge win for both parties.
0: I'm intrigued by this notion that you mentioned, Martin, of of work within the context of a community, and as an outsider really new to this, you know, I've, I've... I've got my presence on OpenSea and on foundation.app, and I have no community. I've I've looked at some work that people that I admire and I've started to follow, but it it seems like a daunting proposition to engage in a community. Tell me me how you went about this.
2: Yes, I think there are several aspects to the work community. I think the main one is that this space is basically a huge conversation, and if you approach it that way, you can you can give value and take value from it. But it needs to be honest. It, it cannot be a conversation of uh, one side trying to get trapped value. That's one of the problems that I see with people trying to enter the space and hitting it like a wall, is just people trying to enter to sell a piece. And honestly, it's okay the need for money exists and seeing the possibility of making money with your art. It's okay. But I think people who enter the space trying to do this, um, it's it's just going to fail to achieve their goal initially because the conversation is ongoing and you cannot jump into a conversation talking to yourself. You need to talk to other people. So you need to engage in what's already being discussed you need to engage with people who's active on that conversation you need to create trust so so you need to be honest you need to provide your opinion you need to have that conversation And I think once you start doing that it's inevitable that people will notice you will notice your opinions will notice the work you're doing and the same people who's making art is also collecting so You're going to be talking to some artists. You're going to be giving them your opinion. They're going to find it interesting. They're going to see your work. They're going to like it. They're going to share it. Someone else is going to buy it. And that conversation is eventually giving you access to the community and eventually your goal of of actually being able to sell your work. But any other attempt to kind of like hijack that conversation to... For example, just, just jump into Twitter and start uh, pasting the link to your work, trying to get people to buy it, has proven to be really not successful in the space. Because it's a space based on honesty and, and, and realness mm-hmm. and not really marketing or, or, or that sort of practice. I, I don't know if that covers it, but I think to me that's, that's a
1: huge deal. I couldn't agree with that summary more. That, that's basically how I've engaged as well, is taking the stance of observation and then beyond that, um, engaging with people that, you know, they joke the same way, they appreciate the same things. And then that has built trust and that has built engagement and conversation. And then now friendships with people like Martin um, and, a, and a few other artists that we engage with on a daily basis. And we talk, we talk all the time. We we share ideas, um, we provide feedback, and um, we share new projects that are that are coming out, um, either our own work or other work that we're really excited about. And that observation has, I think, been another characteristic that I would recommend to people because we get so excited about the technicalities of it, about the the idea of making money. Like Martin was saying too, and you know, how do I mint these things? Where do I go? I, I think some of the best advice I've seen people give one another is you know, just take some time to take a look at what's happening out here and find some projects and people that you like, follow them, engage with them. Also make note of how they're building their projects and what sort of mechanics that they're using because there's some really interesting stuff that's happening. It's not people just making art and releasing art. There's art that's engaging with art. There's art that is evolving over a period of time. Um, Beeple is one of the most prominent NFT artists in the space. Um, He had one of the largest sales up until recently when Pack, another artist, had just sold close to $100 $100 million um, as of, I think it was last week, for a piece that was broken up into fractions. Um, But Beeple had a piece that was called Human One, which is this digital work of art that lives in a physical box and it changes over a period of time and these are the types of innovative concepts and approaches to work that i don't think that we think about in traditional media and now we have an opportunity to produce work that is ever-changing if we want it to be so i think observation uh, is a very crucial aspect to entering the space
0: talk for a second about where these conversations take place
1: all the social platforms that are fitting, but they have tended to be social platforms that rely on conversation. So that being Twitter, that being Discord, Um, but every community is sort of setting up their own what they call servers. Servers are similar to Slack in Teams and the servers will house an entire project. Um, They have different channels within it. People can engage with them. You can build a lot of different bots to, you know, invite people into the space and do certain things when a piece is sold um, or people want to trade certain pieces. So you have these like micro economies that are sort of forming or micro communities that are forming um, within these places that are, you know, centralized is a dirty word in a decentralized um, industry. But those conversations or communities are now centralized in places like Discord.
0: I was um, intrigued by something that you put on your Uh, I think it was on your website, where you said um, a buyer does not get commercial rights to the art piece or any IP associated with it. You don't get to use it as a logo for your company or to sell additional copies to someone else. Talk about what you do get when you purchase an NFT.
2: Yeah, so that's interesting. I think right now... um there's very little guidance in terms of what copyrights are NFTs um, obeying. I, I, and I think as as any creative thing, um, you need to set it up yourself. So if we go outside of the NFTs for a second, you know that if you create a photography, if you create an illustration, you need to set up what are the boundaries of that artwork. The fact that a piece of work is living on the NFT technology doesn't really change that right so you still need to define what's what's level of openness you have with that work and the reason that I was overly explicit with what is it that you don't have access to is that since this is a new technology people tend to think that rights work differently than in traditional creative and that creates some confusion that by buying the NFT, you're actually buying the entire IP to do whatever you want with it. Um, and an example that I've been um, putting to people that that has that sort of mentality was you don't get the rights to put your own Starbucks coffee just because you purchased a cup of coffee, right? You, you don't have the rights to open a business with the Starbucks logo in it. And, and this is pretty much the same. You, you can buy a piece of art and you can have ser- certain rights attached to that. Usually it's about display and it's about being able to resell that work. And that that's pretty much the extent of it. And then any rights on top of that, it's usually a decision of the artist. There's some... Um, Specific collections that have decided to give users rights over the the IP of the collection. Um, There's other collections that are giving users the rights over their specific NFT. So they can do whatever they want with that NFT they purchased, but not with the collection and not with the IP. So there's anything you can imagine from super strict to super open and everything in between. And you just have to make a call about what, what is it that works for you.
0: That's great. I was asked, um, you know, some of my young students know that I'm having these conversations with Ryan and they were saying, what what happens with the copyright? What happens with, you know, usage? Can someone take one of your drawings and use it as a, you know, a branding device for their company? And I, I honestly didn't know.
2: Yeah, I mean, technically they can but technically they can do that with an illustration you just upload it to instagram right right so technically theft is possible and nfts don't really stop that they 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 don't have a way to stop that but you have the right to set up the rules that you consider to be uh the the ones that work for you and your work and and this is no different it's just it's it's just a technology to allow you to 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 make digital objects to be unique and scarce everything else is just like the work we already know
1: the, the argument would be that nfts at least make um tracking down that theft um mm-hmm. a little bit easier or the ability to defend yourself um easier and i think that intellectual property management and lawsuits in general, just that entire industry that's continuously being sort of, uh, that is continuously evolving. But when it comes to actually saying definitively, this work is written onto the blockchain, this was made by this person at this time, um, it is pretty undeniable um, whose work it is. Yeah, that's a great point.
0: So will this world of of marketplaces and platforms begin to shake out or begin to simplify, or is it going to get more complex? What what is your take on that?
1: Oh man, more complex, (laughs) more more and more complexity.
2: Yeah. I, the way that I see it's pretty much we are in 1995 internet. So there's just a couple of companies making some quirky websites and we're about to see what 2000 internet means for NFTs, right? We're about to see the yeah. explosion of companies and products and services, and, and it's going to get crazy for a bit, and probably gonna, we're going to have a similar bubble in terms of um, inexistent value for some projects and, and platforms, and there's going to be huge, immense value in some others. And I think the only ones able to determine the difference between those two extremes will be the people who's interested in the space and it's paying attention. Um, but it, I, I see it that way. We're just in the infancy of this. And it's, it, we're seeing all the quirky, <laughs> slow, um, you know, the, the same way it was slow and quirky to send an email in 95.
1: Which is also where it needs to be, right? Like this is essentially the sandbox. We're all having fun, we're building solutions, we're finding out what works, what doesn't work, what sticks. All of this divergent thinking needs to happen before we converge on better solutions. So this is, I think, par for the course. Um, This is exactly what needs to happen. But you know, just to maybe make some of it more concrete, we sort of look at Ethereum as the, the king of kings when it comes to the blockchains that is leveraging NFTs. It is bloated. It has a lot of issues when it comes to gas fees and pricing for transaction. Um, And then you have other blockchains that are being leveraged right now. Um, Tezos is regarded as a clean cryptocurrency because it doesn't use as much power to generate um, the work itself. So you have other platforms that are being built on top of other blockchains. There's Solana. There's Cardano, those are other blockchains, and you have NFT platforms that are built on them. So it's just almost like the shotgun spray of all these different platforms and experiences and utilities that are being built right now. So definitely more complex before it simplifies.
0: Well, I think if you layer on top of that, what Martin was talking about, about the rejection of carpetbaggers, people just coming in to make a quick buck and escape. And I, I just think the complexity goes up even higher. And I think the people that I've come across who Turn a side eye towards NFTs simply because they don't understand them, and they're calling it a fad and something that's going to go away. It's not going to go away. It's going to mutate, but it is not going to go mm-hmm. away.
1: It's the internet conversation no. all over again. It's the exact yeah. same conversation.
2: <laughs> I can I can find a bunch of articles and screenshots from um, morning shows in the '90s just blasting the internet for being a fad and being passing fashion i just think that if you take the time to see what it means uh, what the technology actually allows you to do today you can quickly see the value and then you can you can have a discussion or a conversation around what's the state of it how good it is for the environment today versus tomorrow um which chain might evolve and work and which might die but I, i just think that as a technology. It's undeniable that it's here to stay, that it's gonna change our lives. It's gonna destroy a lot of uh, ways of doing things and it's gonna create a lot of new ones. So uh, it's, uh, it's hard to deny that. I
1: think it'll also get to a point where you won't even realize that you're engaging with an NFT. There will be the back end work that is um, smart contract specific but it won't be marketed as an NFT. You'll be engaging with a real estate contract, and it will be, you know, NFT-based. Um, so there will be a period in time. I don't know when that is. I don't think. I don't think anyone can predict that. But there will be a period of time where it is just inherent with daily life.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's that's because you can also make a parallel with internet with this. Um, when the new technology appears, there's a focus on the inner workings of it because it's so new and it's, and it's interesting to understand how it really works. But as soon as it gets uh, used, uh, it, it becomes uh, like, like water. Like, you don't need to know what HTTP means for using internet. You don't need to understand about protocols. Um, and that's what's running behind it, right? but we use it every day and I have no idea what a protocol is But I use it. This is the same. You're gonna use it. You're not gonna know what it is You're not gonna know how it works. I don't even know how VHS works I don't even know how a tape recorder works. I don't even know how a, a record works uh, How my computer works. I use it every day. It's the thing that keeps me alive that feeds me and I have no idea how to fix it. So I just think that eventually we're just gonna be using this stuff and, and not being able to just think about this.
1: Also, you sound real smart when you use protocol in conversation, so you gotta pepper that in.
2: I usually use that <laughs> word because I think it, goes, uh, it makes my cue go up.
1: But... <laughs> it does, it does.
0: Uh, this has been a really enlightening and wonderful conversation, and I can't thank the two of you enough for coming in and helping clarify what it means to be in this market space. And I I think there were some really insightful moments, especially talking about community and engagement and not just stopping in to make a quick buck, because I think that's the overarching suggestion when when the only news stories you see are people selling things for a hundred million dollars. And I I think to dispel and disabuse people of the notion that this is a place to come and make a quick buck is really uh, an important distinction.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's that's, you know, underscore that point, because I completely agree with that sentiment.
2: No, I was just going to add that even if you are going after the quick back, because we, we cannot downplay the, the need for money that exists in the world. I think that even if you're going for that, you need to start with conversation and you'll get there.
0: Uh, this is uh, it's been enlightening. And uh, I can't thank you both enough for joining me on the podcast today. My young listeners I'm certain we'll gain a lot of knowledge about this uh, this mysterious world of NFTs.
1: <laughs> well, thanks for having us. This was awesome. Yeah, this was fun. Thank
2: you so much. Thank you, Martin.
0: Thank you, Ryan. Talk to you soon.
2: All right. Take Bye. care, guys. Bye. Thanks again to
0: my guests, Ryan Haig and Martin Beckerman, for sharing their experiences and knowledge about the NFT space. You can follow Ryan at heyheg. that's H-E-Y, H-A-I-G-H, and Martin Beckerman at My Savage Dogs on Twitter. And if you're looking to build up your creative presence and your job search skills, send me a note to chris at creativecareerstarter.com and let's get you into the game and get your career rolling. It's time, right? Thanks again for joining me today. I'll see you next time.